everyone, welcome to The Shift with Shay, New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association fortnightly podcast. I'm Shay Candish, the Association's Assistant General Secretary and the new host of this podcast. Throughout this podcast, we'll be talking to nurses and midwives about topics of interest to you, as well as keeping you up to date with your rights at work. So make sure you, you subscribe on your preferred podcasting service. For this episode, I thought I'd introduce myself. And with me today is one of my closest friends and fellow nurse, Laura McCone. Laura, thanks for joining me today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So uh, look, do you want to just start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So I'm a lead organiser at the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association. I've worked here for nine years, um, started out as an organiser and um, basically followed you here. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I work in the public health organising team. So, yeah, as the name states, deal with public sector. Um, Yeah, I'm a mum. I um, I live in uh, southwestern Sydney. I don't know what else to say, really. I'm a registered nurse and I was an ED nurse, exactly the same as you. So what started you down that journey? Why nursing? Um, why emergency nursing? Why nursing? Well, emergency nursing was never where I wanted to be until I landed there as a new grad. So I always wanted to be a nurse from a very young age, um, probably about 10 or 11. I always knew that that's what I wanted to do um, for no real, you know, nothing that I could discern as to a reason, more just I it seemed like a good job and that's what I wanted to do. So that's what I worked my way towards, went through uni. Um, and I ended up at Campbelltown Hospital uh, as a new grad. And so back then we did three rotations. I started out in a general medical ward. Then I went to ED and then I went to theatres. And I had always thought that I wanted to, after my new grad year, go into midwifery. But then I landed in ED and I loved it. It was so different um and so adrenaline inspired you know it was a great it was a great um team that we had there as well as I'm sure you would remember yeah no I agree I think it's really interesting how similar our kind of journeys were I had no real interest actually in being a nurse to be honest I had this view that I was always going to be a speech path which I think is hilarious because like sputum is my kryptonite and I just (laughs) didn't know that then (laughs) Uh, and you know suctioning enough trackies over the years you learn the things that kind of make your skin go a bit creepy and that was always my thing but yeah I um I got into nursing because I thought it would be a you know an opportunity to hop into speech path um because I had to go to Charles Sturt down in I think it was Aubrey and I just wasn't ready to make that move And then I started the degree and I loved it and, you know, did all of the rotations, didn't really know where I was going to end up, but I was pretty sure it was the thing I wanted to do. And, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak. So ED was never where I thought I would go. And I got it for a new grad rotation. And I don't think I slept for the first month because I was in such panic. But once I'd worked all of that out, I was like, I'm never leaving. This is amazing. It was an awesome team, like such a great kind of support supportive environment and really keen to kind of grow the new nurses through um, all of the you know areas of clinical competence and 
I felt as supported as you could be in such a sort of unknown dynamic environment. So it was pretty exciting. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um I think the fact that we had so many senior nurses in that department at the time was you know a big part of the reason why I stayed and I'm sure it was a big reason of you know why you stayed as well Mm. but you're exactly right the support that you were offered um you know sometimes not in the kindest of ways but it was always supportive um like I think working in an ED it's always so high pressure um you know fits and bursts of high pressure and in those times where, you know, you've got a very senior nurse screaming at you, get in the recess, I'll get in here, I'll do this, do that. Like it's, you know, at the time you're very rattled, but you understand it um, once you've been around them for a while. For sure. What was the thing that you loved? Uh, I think I really enjoyed the fact that you didn't know what you were walking into every day. It, I think I loved that and hated it at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Love, hate relationship right there. (laughs) Exactly. Like I I always remember driving around the back of um, the ambulance bay Mm. when you used to drive in like a night shift or something and you'd see like seven ramped ambulances and you're like, no. (laughs) You just dread it walking in the back door. Definitely. Um, But, you know, I just... It was like I did a lot of nights um, and I, like I'm, I'm sure you were the same. Like we, you know, we did 12-hour shifts. We did, you know, we did our majority of nights. So um, I really enjoyed the night shift because you'd always have some, like most of the time you'd have a bit of a lull, like an hour or two where you could actually get things under control um, and really have a good chat to your colleagues. And that was really nice to have that team kind of approach to everything that you really got to know your colleagues very well um because for a lot of the time that we were there the staff didn't really have a massive turnover Mm. which was lovely yeah yeah it's for me it was definitely teamwork like I've never worked anywhere quite like that where you have that you know such a I don't know, such a, I wouldn't say I knew individual people well either, but such a supportive network of people across that team that you knew you could walk into anything, you were all there, you were all in it together, was quite an interesting way of working. Um, And, you know, I think under other circumstances, when times get tough, teams don't always operate in that way. So it was something really unique to the work that I really loved, made it so like those days when there were 10 ambulances lined up and you'd think, oh, my God, today is definitely a blue moon, mm-hmm. um, a full moon, sorry. But, um, you know, you knew that, like, well, at least they've all got my back. It's not just kind of one person on their own. So it was a bit of a different dynamic, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, in saying all of that, that was where you and I met, was in Kimbletown ED. Yeah, um, so what does, like, how long have we been friends for then? Like a long time. Like yeah, I, I was thinking even... about this. I reckon like at least 15 years. Yeah. I think. Jeez, that makes us sound old. <laughs> and I'm older than you. So it makes me sound really old. <laughs> yeah, way too old. You're so old. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. It's crazy though. Like, don't you, like, I just remember being, a grad and you know entering the the workforce like it was yesterday still yeah mm. for sure 
It's funny, actually, one of our colleagues was asking me about when we worked together and I was like, we never really worked together. I used to cherish those days when we worked together because it was so rare that you'd get put on with someone that you loved that you could be like, let's just have an awesome day together. And we teamed, but we did team nurse. So the opportunities when you got to work with someone who you really got on with made the day just fly, which was awesome. But it just like never happened. I have more vivid memories of like both of us doing, you know, three or four shifts of back-to-back triage for 12 hours (laughs) and the pain that that brought and, you know, the debrief that we required afterwards. (laughs) Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah, far out. Mm. I mean, that's the stuff that you don't miss is, you know, the the shift work and the drag, particularly on the fourth night where you're like, oh, come on, just get me through it. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, um, like... But, you know, for the listeners, you and I had a really good group of friends that we formed within that department, which was really nice, um, particularly at the time because, you know, like I think it's one thing to to be able to go to work and have that collegiality and, you know, have a real team kind of bond um, with everyone else. But on the flip side, on your days off where you want to let your hair down and you're, you know, back then when we were in our 20s, um, <laughs> you want to go out and have fun, you've got no kids and you have the opportunity to. I think we had a really good group of yeah. friends that we would do that with and then we, you know, added in the the blokes as well, the husbands. <laughs> they came <laughs> along eventually. <laughs> yes, yes, they sure did. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, for me, I reflect a lot on like those downtimes outside of the um, the the rostered days on gave you the space to go back to do the next rostered day on. Like you really needed to have that opportunity to let your hair down and kind of debrief. You know, the thing that also I remember, which was quite interesting, <laughs> was um, the breakfast that we'd go to after yeah. we finished. <laughs> Pancakes on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and maybe the sneaky alcohol that they'd service or you know the kind of um the you know just kind of debrief after the difficult shift where you'd had a couple of back calls come through or you know something that made it particularly challenging so uh yeah it's so interesting I think about how that network of people helps you to kind of keep doing that work which is pretty sort of mentally draining at times yeah absolutely yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about the breakfast actually. That's <laughs> far out. I think because it was always after night shift and you were like completely bug-eyed sitting yeah. there eating your pancakes and you know drinking your bourbon that you shouldn't be drinking at seven. Yeah, o'clock you in were the, the bourbon woman, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, the things you do when you're young, right? <laughs> oh, I reckon. And you know, certainly from my perspective, I was never as compatible with night shift as you were. I was like the dragon woman. I couldn't cope at all. <laughs> yeah, but you had to you had to drive back to Wollongong. Like yeah. it was always a, a cart back, you know, back down I to had like, class. And I had like a staged kind of drive. I'd get out at like three specific spots along that like drive home, which is not far. You know, it's like, I don't know, probably about 45, 50 minutes, but I had to stop, get out, walk around the car, like have a drink of water, throw some water in my face, get back in the car, keep going. Mm. So I was such a, such a, you know, the risk of, of falling asleep was felt real for sure. I found it really yeah. difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember like, oh yeah. And I remember mm. like just, you know, 
hitting that kind of 5am lull and sitting Mm. there. And I was always one of those people that like ate my food like I would normally. So I just had breakfast at 5am, you know, I'd sleep all day and have lunch whenever I woke up and then I'd have dinner before I went to work and I'd just maybe have a snack in the night. Whereas other people I would see who were having like a baked dinner at 5am and I'm sitting there eating my breakfast cereal. (laughs) I'd just be like, oh my God, I feel so I feel hungover, like I feel terrible. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, I was always one of the ones who never, I didn't drink coffee Mm. through the night because it would just completely warp my sleep Mm. for the next day. So I just drink water, Mm. like religiously. So in all honesty, the only reason why I probably stayed awake was because I was going to the toilet all the time (laughs) because I drank so much water. Water and tea, water and tea. Uh, It's interesting, isn't it? Like I think, you know, I really um, admire all those people that have managed to fit shift work into their life. It just didn't, it was always difficult. Didn't matter how many years I did it for, I don't feel like I ever adjusted to it. And I don't know how, like this end of things, I don't know how I would have coped with it having kids, in all honesty. Like I... I look at so many of our ex-colleagues who, you know, are still working in ED, you know, and a lot of them are CNEs at Summer Nums. And I just think, honestly, how, I, I really don't know how you would do it. Um, I mean, it's difficult enough as it is for any parent. Yeah. But throw kids into the mix. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, I agree. I'm always amazed when I talk to our members and how, mm incredibly flexible they are and just you know their capacity to just move their life around it's it's pretty amazing yeah just get on with it (laughs) yeah Mm. okay it's a bit of a change of pace hey why don't you tell why don't you talk a bit about um some of the work that we did before we came here to the association I mean well the launch you had basically um so we we identified many, many issues within <laughs> our department. Um, you know, we had pretty, as as everywhere does, let's be honest, um, we had some pretty significant workloads issues that just kept cropping up time and time again. We had issues with some of the shift patterns that we were working. Um, some of the shifts in particular were very difficult um, and not really working for the department that we were in. Um, so we kind of started on this pathway of you know all right well actually it wasn't me it was you <laughs> who started on this pathway of um you know look we, I think I was just the loudest about it you know that's that's and the, the most, but Every, the most driven <laughs> I think everyone identified the problems I just was so annoyed about it I couldn't cope with it anymore yeah exactly mm. um but yeah once it was identified and kind of fleshed out a bit um we started on this rampage basically to <laughs> try and try and make things better try and yeah. you know try and change what we could see were the issues um for the better of the department and the patients and you know anyone who came into that department basically I know for me there was like this distinct moment where like the penny dropped and I was like this is just not happening anymore Did you have a moment like that or was it more like a steady progression? I think mine was a steady progression and it was more just observing you, like talking to you, you know, seeing what you were doing about it. 
um, and how you brought the association in, um, things like that. I think I just, yeah, it got me to a point where I was like, well, you're my friend and my colleague. This also affects me. I'm not going to let you do this on your own. So, Mm. you know, strength in numbers, let's get on board. That's interesting. I think for me, like the catalyst was that I'd been working in the department for a while and, you know, kind of always felt like I wasn't quite good at what I was doing. And it was like, I'm new, I'm learning. Then it was like, now I'm not new anymore. Now I'm one of the more experienced people. Now I'm doing in charges. Like now I'm, you know, and still not quite being able to be good enough. And it made me really realize that actually I was a really good nurse, but the system was so crappy that you couldn't do the job that you wanted to do. And I think, you know, I'd been spending a lot of time really trying to understand how I could get the satisfaction out of the work that I was doing when I always felt like I couldn't quite give enough. Um, And, you know, then I'd had like this steady stream of crappy shifts in resus because we'd had one nurse in resus overnight and we had four beds and, you know, you just couldn't do that on your own. And I walked out after a couple of night shifts consistently kind of thinking, oh my God, that was just so lucky that, you know, X didn't happen or Y didn't happen because I would have been in a very different situation if it did. Um, And then I had this particular moment where this patient came in and I was in recess and he'd been, you know, brought in by an ambulance, sitting on a trolley somewhere, who knows, and he came into me because his blood pressure had dropped through his boots and, like, he was green. He looked terrible. No one knew who he was. He didn't have an armband on. You know, all Mm. all of the horrors that could have happened had happened. And um, turns out he'd been in the department for like five hours and he was an NFR and all of this sort of stuff. Um, So once we were able to kind of establish what was going on and get him settled, he was palliative. And, uh, you know, my reflection on that night was that I had a couple of other patients who were critically unwell as well. And when his family came in, it was really, they weren't able really to get the care that he deserved. And I think... I had such limited time with them. And then later on in the evening, I was able to kind of move him out of recess, get him in a single room, really kind of get him set up. And the family were really cold. And it was a real shock, I think. And I walked out kind of going, this was never what I was trying to do. Mm. And that was it. Next day, I was like, I'm on the phone to the association. What can we do? How do we change this? And it become a real mission, I think, because like that shouldn't have been anyone's experience. So it was quite interesting that that's what I think you're forced almost to do sometimes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, there were there were so many times where that kind of thing happened. Like I had a similar-ish experience um, where I came onto a night shift and I was in acute and I think we were, I was 7 to, seven to 14 and we didn't get a handover because the whoever, you know, was trying to hand over was just too busy. They were absolutely flat chat. They were way behind. Um, and they just, you know, half the patients in the beds we knew nothing about, basically. Um, and, and you I could probably over, see a million things that needed doing and just got in and got started, right? Pretty much. Like, the, you know, where do you start? Let's just pick bed, you know, bed 10. Yeah. So I went over, I remember, looking at this lady in bed 10 and thinking, hmm, she doesn't look well. Uh, let's go and have a look. Um, and I went over and she wasn't breathing. Oh my God. And she had passed away. 
um, you know, Lord knows when. I knew nothing of her, didn't know her age. She was elderly, but she looked, you know, relatively well kept um, for want of a better word. Anyway, so I hit the emergency buzzer. She got rushed into recess. We worked on her for a little while and that was it. She, you know, she was gone. She was quite cold to touch when I had gone over to her. So she had been gone for a little while. And I think, you know, it's those ones that you will always remember. Like there are some good ones, definitely For some sure. good ones where I think, you know, that was amazing and it was really um, fulfilling to be able yeah. to do the job that you want to do. But those ones, you just think, yeah, no, nah, I, yeah. I can't. I can't do that. Like as a nurse, as a human being, like you can't go to work and think, oh, my goodness, am I going to do that again today? Yeah. Um, you know, and like you say, it's not through any fault of yours. It's because the system just didn't allow us to do the job that we wanted to do. We wanted to turn up and do our job well and be there for the patients. But, um, but yeah, interesting that that was the launching pad for pretty much both of us to get stuck into the whole, no, nah, we're done. Like this has to change. Absolutely. And really from there, I think it just become this really concerted effort to demonstrate how overworked, under-resourced we were. And we did that big data collection. Remember sitting down in records. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was like four of us sitting down in medical records, pulling records for like hours to write that submission. Yeah. Do you reckon they ever even looked at it? (laughs) I'd like to say yes, but probably not. (laughs) So we wrote this like huge submission. But we did a big time emotion study basically that showed how many patients we had through resus, how many nurses we had looking after them. The acuity level of the patients was reflected by those that were sitting outside of the between the flags kind of parameters. And we were able to draw a whole bunch of conclusions around when we were being forced to work outside of policy. So things like we were intubating patients, but we weren't able to nurse them one-to-one. And, you know, we were putting people in non-inventive um, ventilation or we were giving, you know, some of our, we had quite a big population of pediatric patients. Mm. And so we would do a lot of things like continuous ventilin and, you know, with, with, kids that were generally pretty unwell and often really young um, and you just couldn't give them the supervision. So we were able to really demonstrate where we were put in a position that breached policy um, and we presented that to management and we had a pretty big dispute meeting, which I remember going into and all of the adrenaline that you get when you're going in and kind of <laughs> confronting the boss over something and you're feeling really principled and, and you know, we held it together and we did a great job and I walked out and I just bawled my eyes out afterwards, <laughs> all of that adrenaline. And, you know, you, I think... And I see it with members now all the time. You know, you think when you can point out all of the problems, these people are reasonable, our bosses are reasonable people and they will want to fix it. But what I learned right then and there was that even reasonable people can't fix it when they don't have the money to fix it. Mm. And that's 99% of the problems that we see with members now, I think, when we work on in the association, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, And it's... It is a, a failure, once again, of the system and how yeah. it's managed, um, you know, and we could talk about that for hours. But, um, yeah, interesting that it hasn't 
that part of it hasn't changed a lot, you know, um, that we're still hitting those issues. Yeah. Mm. And it feels like that, you know, you can go and kind of highlight an issue in one area and you, you go and go, you go through all of these similar things that we've spoken about, run a campaign, highlight it to management, you find a way, management fix it, and then it creates a problem somewhere else because the cost is just being shifted from somewhere to pay for the solution that you needed. And then it creates, you know, a hole that someone else has to deal with, um, which I think for me is why we need just a total system overhaul that gives us ratios everywhere so that you're not constantly robbing from Peter to pay Paul, mm. which is how it does feel on some days, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember... Uh, the point where you pulled the lever on leaving basically do you remember the conversation that we had after a night shift one night outside of recess it was remember there was that little table that used to sit in the ambulance bay I remember sitting there with you after a night where we shift. triage people yeah yeah, yeah. I don't really, you know, I've got the worst memory in the world. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I've got a shocker. Um, I remember sitting there. I remember this very clearly. I remember sitting there after a night um, and I remember you saying to me, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. Um, you know, I, there has to be a different way. Like there has to be something else that's out there where I can, you know, do a good job and, you know, be satisfied with my job and, and things like that. And I think at that point you had seen that there was an organiser position advertised and you said, look, I'm going to go for this. And I look, I was very pleased for you, but I was also devastated because I'm like, oh, my God, she's leaving me. <laughs> Well, I didn't know at that stage. I had no idea whether I would get it or not. I had no idea yeah. what I was going to, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that It's the truth? funny. Yeah. I don't remember the conversation, but it doesn't surprise me. Like, I think I remember living that, that kind of uh, whole last few months of working in the hospital and sort of being like, I can't come to work and complain anymore. Like, I can't be unhappy. And, you know, I worked with a lot of people, we both did, who had been there for a long time, a lot longer than us, and they were miserable and they, mm. it was like they hated their job. I, I just thought if I can't complain about it, I either need to fix it or I need to leave. Mm. And I tried to fix it. I really did. And I think, you know, the work that we did resulted in that second nursing resus. Yeah. So it worked. But actually the experience had almost opened my eyes up to how flawed the system was that I knew it was only a matter of time until I was confronted with the same situation mm. again. And, you know, you can't unlearn the things that you learn sometimes. Yeah. So it felt inevitable, I think. Um, it, it sort of just showed me that I was going to have a career in nursing that I was probably always going to come up against a system that didn't want to let me do the work that the patients needed. Yeah. And so that was it. I thought maybe if I go to the association, I could have the influence that, you know, over like instead of working in one workplace maybe I can help people across a number of workplaces to do that work and I think every every job I've been in at the association which has been a few now like I started as an organizer and then a lead and then a manager and now as the assistant gen sec like I think it's always been about well with each opportunity I get to work with more people and hopefully 
those additional people will all get to have the influence over the members that help them to have the influence over their workplace. So like if I can help people to build out that scale, um, then that seems like the logical solution because, you know, the more people that we have aware and focused on those system problems um, and really pushing it to the government to, to really highlight this is your responsibility to fix, you know, um, then hopefully that's kind of a, a good day of work, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, look, we've, um, we've outlasted our years <laughs> of Campbelltown ED, haven't we? <laughs> so. Well and truly, well and truly. Yeah. So yeah. what gets you out of bed every day in this job? Oh, as, as a lead, um, I really, like I loved organising, always have um, and always will. It's, I just really enjoy being around the members and, you know, helping them find that light bulb moment that you describe. That is so insanely fulfilling. Like it just, you know, it's so lovely to see when people actually understand, oh, I do have power here. Like I can actually stand up um, for myself, for my colleagues, with my colleagues, you know what I mean? Like that is so great. But being a lead, it's it's very similar. Um, it's, you know, I do that with my small team of organisers and I just love working alongside them, being on site, you know, doing one-on-ones um, at any level. It doesn't matter sort of how long they've been around for I learn so much from them um, and I hope they learn a little bit from me too Um, but you know I just I really enjoy working in a team um, and you know just being able to do good work that really aligns with who I am and my values and and things like that is is a blessing I think what about you Yeah, I completely agree. I feel really privileged to be able to kind of go to a job every day that, you know, allows me to make improvements in something that I think is fundamental to every Australian, really good quality healthcare is critical for everyone. And, you know, I think a lot of what we do is sort of behind the scenes. So a lot of people probably don't even know, you know, that the work that we do has any influence, frankly, over their day-to-day work. Um, Mm. And I'm okay with that, to be completely honest. But, um, you know, I think it does bring a real level of satisfaction when you know that you've been able to kind of help a member understand that if they do X, Y, and Z, they can bring together a whole group of people that can collectivise around something and actually start to kind of create the improvement that they need to see in their work. So I think that's really exciting. And it, it... replicates that adrenaline kick that you were talking about earlier I think (laughs) Mm, definitely and no two days are the same no and I feel like Mm. there's an element of challenge that we have here because you're always the underdog and you're always kind of fighting to demonstrate the problem and provide the solution and help to move people towards you know the the kind of solution that's needed Um, so it never it's never easy work um but the stakes are different which feels Mm. feels you know um yeah it feels different yeah it does um it's it feels quite um to me it feels quite privileged like to be able to to be 
welcomed into, you know, a tea room and have members and non-members want to, you know, pick your brain or, and sometimes, you know, it, it, it stems from them just needing to vent. And I think that as a nurse, um, as well as an organiser, as a lead, like that to me is a real privilege. It's like, you know, you can identify with who I am, I identify with you, like we have a really good conversation, then we can lead into, all right, like let's let's do something about it. Like that's yeah. the really nice point with you, with the members and um, and identify with their issues as well. Yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. So tell me, what has been the biggest surprise throughout your time at the association? I'm not going to put a point on any point in time. My biggest surprise. Mm. Oh my in terms goodness. of the job. Yeah, I know I'm putting you on the spot, aren't I? Um, I don't know. I feel like the work that we do is a constant um you know it's a bit like ed in the sense that every day is very different um but for me it's been a constant process of learning um something new that i guess for me no actually you know what i think it probably is it's about the perspective that i gained when i came to work in an environment um that that advances the interests of all members like i think when i worked in ed i was all about you know everything's about ed everyone else can go jump basically. (laughs) Um, And I think that's a really different, um, a different perspective that I had now, which frankly, I think was a really uninformed perspective, but it was all I'd known. Um, And so, you know, I think what I've learned is that there are so many issues. They're also similar across every specialty, across every hospital. So that learning has been really incredible. And the other thing I guess is, um, how many opportunities there are you know like I think you come into nursing and you think there's only a few options I've got kind well not a few like there's there's lots of options but there's a few streams I've got kind of education management or clinical to sort of really focus my efforts for my career and I think what I've learned since coming to the association is that the industrial landscape is almost the fourth opportunity for nurses because there are so many avenues open to us um, when you specialise down in this field too and coming with the clinical expertise, you know, or the clinical background gives you this expertise um, that you can really overlay on the industrial environment. So it's been, you know, really just such a pleasure, but really it's just this whole process of kind of learning something new and all of the different issues and opportunities that um, exist across nursing in the, the whole workforce really been pretty mm. pretty interesting that's for sure mm. um I must say that um you know a big part of the reason why not a big part you know a part of the reason why you and I are such good friends I think is because I find that you are such a driven person like you you never back down you know you are the person who will see things through to the end um, you know, not not regardless of outcome, but definitely you're always very considered in your approaches to not only your work but home life as well. Like you, it's regardless of how frustrating things can be. And I'm actually thinking, I'm not thinking of work now, I'm thinking of kids. Um, you know, regardless of how frustrating things can be, 
you're always very, um, yeah, very led by your values and um, you know that if you just keep at it, there is, you know, there's something that'll, something good that will come from it. And I think that positive mindset that you bring to every aspect of your life um, is a big, yeah, big reason why we're friends. Right back at you, lady, I tell you. <laughs> I think, you know, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And you've just got to keep at it. Some things are tough, but the end outcome is definitely worth it. And I think you need that level of optimism to do this work. Um, which is why I think we do, you know, two peas in a pod, really. Mm, yeah, definitely. Sure. <laughs> well, look, on that note, I guess we better wrap up. It sounds like we're just about out of time. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining me today. It's pretty bad it's that we have to schedule a podcast just to have a chat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to take what I can get. So I'll Absolutely. Live with it. <laughs> All Thanks right. so much. Thank you. We'll be right back after a quick word about the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association Member Advantage Program. Did you know that as a member of the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, you can save thousands of dollars a year through our Member Advantage Program? Your union membership gives you access to discounts for everything from groceries, white goods from the good guys, holidays, and even a new car. You can access it through your Member Central portal. And if you're not yet a member, join today by going to nswnma.asn.au to enjoy the benefits straight away. So if there's anything you want to know uh, or anyone that you think should be featured or questions you have for us to answer on the show, you can jump on the NSWNMA website and send us a question on the Contact Us form. That's it for this episode of The Shift with Shay. We'll see you in a fortnight with more stories from the world of nursing and midwifery. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from.